Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. You, Naoki? It's you, isn't it? You're still alive! Thank heavens! I was worried when they took you away. Thank you for coming back to me. I really need to get out of here. Can you open the door from the outside? <sighs> what are you doing here? Who's there? What's happening? Naoki? What? An invisible demon? You're a fool to defy Master Mithras. You will not be forgiven. You will not be forgiven. You will face a horrible death. Now, experiment time. Class is in session, and this week I'm joined and have the pleasure of welcoming to the university my fellow Mega Ten head over at Dual Shockers and one of the hosts of the Shin Megami Tensei Focus podcast, Mega Ten Marathon, Alyssa James. How's it going, Alyssa? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing good. My apartment's pretty much all put back together after having some water problems and they... The, the complex having to dig up the concrete in my hallway and kitchen. Things are finally starting to settle down and be oh, put wow. to back together. It's been a it's been quite the harrowing couple of weeks, but luckily that seems to be all behind us. And I've just been hanging out, uh, playing some sweet games, and uh, getting geared up to talk about some SMT, uh, Strange Journey. So, but oh wow, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, hasn't hasn't <laughs> been too bad. But yes, we are here this week to talk all about Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey and the 3DS remas- remastered version, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux. But first, to get... Uh, originally, the Strange Journey initially came out in Japan in October of 2009 and then would eventually make its way over to the U.S. on March 23rd of 2010. Then a few years, well, all nearly a decade later, Strange Journey Redux would come out on the 3DS. In Japan, it came out on October 26, 2017, and then made its way overseas to the West in May of 2018, coming out on the 15th of May in the North America and May 18th in Europe. So to get yourself a bit in, back in the mindscape of what games you might have also been playing when the game initially came out back in 2010. Some other notable releases that you might recognize. Our Mass Effect 2 came out in 2010 along with Super Mario Galaxy 2. Pokemon Black and White came out and gave us the first real taste in animated sprites. Golden Sun Dark Dawn, the most recent, unfortunately, version or uh, release of Golden Sun, a series that desperately needs to come back. Blue Dragon Awakened Shadow came out, a tactical RPG continuation of the Akira Toriyama-styled RPG series. Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 2 also came out. The mobile Kingdom Hearts title Coded event 
finally got its enhanced remake on DS, Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Another fantastic RPG came out, Radiant Historia on DS came out, along with Etrian Odyssey 3, The Drowned City, and Lufia, Curse of the Sinistrals. Now, Alyssa, did you play any of these back in the day? Let's see. Um, out of these, I've played um, Gal- um, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Pokemon Black and White. Um, I've played a little bit of Blue Dragon, um, Etrian Odyssey 3. Um, I played a little bit of Recoded. And um, it's funny because I'm actually going to be playing Radiant Historia soon for uh, another podcast that I'm recording. So I can't wait to try that one out. It is fantastic such a good game are you playing the 3ds remake or uh the original ds version so i have both so i think i'm gonna just go with the 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 3ds uh Mm -hmm. remake since i know that one you could swap between right uh with art styles i think you can yeah exactly like with art styles and so i think i'll probably go with the 3ds version Perfect. A wonderful game. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. But we are talking about some Shin Megami Tensei today, specifically Strange Journey. Now, Alyssa, you are probably the biggest SMT fan over at Dual Shockers, uh, hands down. <laughs> so give give us kind of a idea of when did you first get into Strange Journey? Where like were you a big fan of the series already at the time when this came out? Or did you pick it up later? Uh, so I was already a, a really big uh, fan of the franchise. Um, so when, you know, I, think I was keeping track of Strange Journey's release. And when it finally came out, I picked it up for the DS, like, I, maybe like within the month of when it released. And it honestly fell in love with it. It's probably one of my favorite Mega Ten games. Mm-hmm. Like, I I absolutely adore it. I love the I love the storyline. I love the aesthetic. Like it has that really cool sort of like golden age sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic and kind of plot. And I love the characters. I love that the the cast and the setting feels so fresh and dis- different. You know because I, uh, most um, the mainline series always takes place in Tokyo. And this one, you know, they went for a much more global appeal with uh, having a very diverse cast and it mainly taking place in Antarctica, you know, where the yeah. sports belt appears. Yeah. So that really appealed to me already. And I loved how the characters were written. I loved how this, the plot unfolded. I really love the gameplay. It uses the Etrian. Funny enough, because yeah. Etrian Odyssey 3 is listed on here, and that's the engine that this game uses. And uh, it works really well for the dungeon crawling. Mm-hmm. And even though the battle system doesn't use press turn, the battle system that it does use is it's excellent. Very strategic. That like follow up alignment uh, attack is really great. Uh, you know, nice incentive. You know, to, to um, make sure your party aligns with your own. Um, just it really, I love the password system because it's broken. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> super just... super broken. Yeah, I just and I love the dungeon crawling, even though it is so frustrating, and the traps make you want to just like cry by the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. So I, as you can tell from my gushing, I love this game. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't have like tear-inducing, pull your hair out dungeons to deal with, can you even consider yourself a Shin Megami Tensei game? Like seriously. Exactly. That's just that's a part of the experience. It is. <laughs> 
And truthfully, uh, when I was doing a little research and stuff on this game for uh, for this episode, just kind of refreshing my mind, I didn't know that this was built using the Etrian Odyssey engine. I had no idea about that. And then when I saw that, it's like, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't even realize this, but um, for me, I at this time back in 2010, I was still more curious about the SMT series than I had actually played much. Uh, I had played some Persona 3 at this point. I had rented years and years ago Persona 2 on PlayStation from my local store, so I had some experience, but I had never dove into it by this point uh, back in 2010 it was it was still one of those this was still one of those series where i knew i wanted to get into it i just hadn't like broken through and really uh dove in um i had for the ds version i kind of had a a flash cart kind of thing so i remember playing this originally on that but when um the 3DS remake came out. I was like, okay, I'm I'm all in for this, and I actually ended up reviewing it and creating a basics guide for this game over uh, on Irrational Passions. So, oh wow, yeah, uh, and the guide actually did incredibly well. So, I I was finally able to really dive into this game specifically because back in 2018, I was I was a firm M- SMT fan by this point. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was such a departure in tone and environment shifting to antarctica it was so much more of a sci-fi game sci-fi focus yeah. game whereas i would almost categorize the mainline sm smt games and even original megaten much more as horror themed whereas yeah. this had horror elements like you still get the crazy demons and the multiple branching endings you can do but the tech involved and the demonica and the ai in your uh in your ship and everything it was so much more sci-fi geared that and like you said such a diverse cast of characters uh you had like the u.s troop the japanese and european group like that goes into the schwartz vault um yeah, it was it was a really nice breath of fresh air. It was honestly like I really it just it kind of blew me away with how much they were willing to change with this game, and I I really loved it. I attached myself to it like mm-hmm. immediately because I love sci-fi too. So yeah. that that you know that didn't hurt. And then like you said, it combined the horror sci-fi aspect like really well. It was just so much fun. I remember, and you probably know this better than I do, but I remember seeing something, and maybe it's an urban legend, but wasn't this initially going to be Shin Megami Tensei 4, but they felt that it, it deviated a bit too much from the setting, and that's why they kind of had it be a, a, a spinoff? Yeah, that was pretty much um, confirmed, I believe, in uh, uh, it was an interview, I believe, with the director, 
of um, the original and of Redux when he was uh, talking about, you know, all the changes and everything they did for Redux. And I think he addressed that as well, where he stated that, um, you know, early on in the planning stages, it would have been. But like you said, you know, they realized that since it didn't have those same Tokyo themes and whatnot, they didn't want it to departure too much the main line. So then they decided that this would be sort of, it has kind of a weird spot because it's it's almost mainline but it's not like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting like where it kind of lays in the timeline of the um of the franchise so it, it's kind of in this weird kind of almost like by it, the mainline side <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but yeah so that that was what happened okay i i couldn't remember it's been so long since i've seen kind of or read them so i wasn't sure if i imagined it or if it was one of those is it like a fan theory kind of thing? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was happening. Yeah. Like it was pretty early in the planning stages mm-hmm. when they decided to uh, not make it a, a numbered title. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really liked is not only did it have a unique atmosphere being set uh, set up in Antarctica. I loved how varied the dungeons themselves were. I remember walking around like. You start off on the the top where it's icy landscapes and stuff, and then a few dungeons later, you're like in this creepy, corrupt mall area and and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really I love that too because, and then you know, of course, that each dungeon had a specific theme that was essentially decrying um, specific vice or sin of humanity, and like you said, it was so varied because the whole dungeon was fashioned all around like mm-hmm. the second like i believe when you saw the iciness you had of the initial uh section of that first dungeon and then when you go deeper you discover that it's like a war-torn area mm-hmm. so you have like planes flying ahead like things on fire it's like just black and red and then the second dungeon is like literally like the red light district kind of brothel sort mm-hmm. of area and then the third, you know, and then you have like, you know, supermarket with like overstocked shelves and like just, and then you have like, and then you even had like a, a dungeon that was literally trash. Like yeah. all the, yeah, like <laughs> all of the, uh, the, the boundaries and walls are just trash and garbage. It was, it's really cool. Yeah. I love the, the combat of it. Like this, I've always been told people that have been intrigued by what is Shin Megami Tensei. The best way I feel like I can describe it easily to give people an idea. It's like, it's adult Pokemon, but instead of cute (laughs) creatures, you have angels, demons, and penises on chariots. Um, It's like, oh, okay. But it's so much better than that, of course. And there's so much more depth to it, but the the collection aspect um and you touched we'll touch upon this a bit later as in terms of our tips for new players coming from much more of a pokemon background before i really got into the smt games the biggest thing i had to get past was not falling in love with with my party cuz this is about using them until you get better creatures and then fusing them and just getting rid of them it's like you don't want to develop that connection to to your demons you talk with and that you bring onto your party yeah was 
now were you did you were you a fan of this series before like Pokemon or are you coming did you, I guess did you have that same reservation when you were first getting into this series that, that I did? Um, it was, it was interesting because I've been playing Pokemon since it first came out, so I was mm-hmm. like a kid. So, um, but when I started getting into the mainline um, Mega Ten franchise, um, it was it was it was interesting sort of like adaptation. Like I wasn't reserved, but I just had to get used to the fact, like you said that demons are far more disposable like you know with your pokemon party you know it's it, it's obvious like once you pick your party you stick with them until the very end you know you may mm-hmm. do some swap outs here and there but for the most part you get attached and, and here it's the exact opposite it is like okay you know once they outlive their usefulness either fuse them or just get rid of them and that's it they're worthless to you so it was it was like a little bit of an adjustment kind of you know having that but once you once you get used to it like it's pretty easy because i feel like the joy you kind of have is in the fusion system and like discovering new demons and you get way more like invested kind of in that Mm -hmm. and molding demons like to your perfect specifications and after a while you start treating demons like they're disposable like i kind of was, i started calling them ingredients after a while. yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah pretty much um yeah you get to that point where instead of caring about them you view them as ingredients and like you you put them through custom breeding like programs so you can carry over specific skills you want into a final demon later on down the road because you can bring over certain skills and stuff for those of you that aren't uh don't have experience with this system so yeah you do look at them starting as ingredients and i remember when i was first playing these games and this game i had a a little notebook that i would wrote write down like sequences and what skills i want to bring over and in this one you get demon sources which impart mother other skills and things and it um or lets you summon them uh but yeah it, it it's crazy and you need to do this because he, this game the bosses especially get so flipping hard if you're not prepared yeah absolutely <laughs> uh and you mentioned this a little bit ago did you take advantage of the password system when oh, when you play this? No. Did you use a password generator? Absolutely. I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't completely like what I would do is I would use the password generator if I if I knew I wanted to fuse a demon and I really needed a demon as an ingredient and I really didn't feel like finding it. I would be like, "Oh, well, let me just <laughs> generate the password for it but i did i did at least try to make it so like i did make my own demons it was Mm -hmm. just very rarely like okay i just i need to like you know make one because i'm not going back i'm in sector g i'm not going back to sector a to look this way yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) nobody's got time for that especially in these long games they take so long already exactly i remember when i was playing through um redux I made uh, what I called Super Pixie, which was just one of the, like, pretty much the first demon you get in every SMT game, uh, Pixie. But I formed it so 
it was as cheap as it could be, but the skills I gave it were repel physical, gun, electric, fire, wind, and ice. Wow. So I just formed this, like, super pixie that would reflect everything except the light and dark elements. Wow, that is, that's awesome, honestly. Yeah. That is, that Only so cool. costs 16,000 mecha. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's like the cool thing about it. You could do all that, but mm-hmm. pit, you know, demons low level. That's it. It's yep. Cheap city. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, but this is in one of the one aspect that also really impressed me was how creepy the music was. Yes. With kind of the the vocals that you couldn't really understand. It was just like oh. Oh, it's just like this creepy voice over uh, the melody. It was it was spooky. It was yes. Uh, Shoji Megro was the composer. Yeah, he did a a phenomenal job with the soundtrack. I think that's another reason why it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite soundtracks, and that's that's saying something because you know Megaton has some great soundtracks, but yeah, this one was phenomenal. Like you said, it was so atmospheric, it was creepy, and I loved how just well suited like um, the the music was for each of the dungeons. Like I kind of like how you went with um, you know once again with the first sector when you had like this very like war torn like sort of dramatic uh, um, you know orchestral sort of music and then the second sector you were in this very like uh sleazy sort of audacious type of music with like these trumpets it was it was mm-hmm. no, it was like a it was a trumpet or like a trombone but it was it was really good and like just the variety he has it's just it's really really phenomenal mm-hmm. uh so did you have like a go-to party for this like do you have a specific when you play Mega Ten games, do you have like specific demons you gear for, like for your end game that you've found? Hmm. For me, let's see. It it's funny because I want to say I do, but I notice it always depends on the game because they tend to change things up a lot. You know, like you'll mm-hmm. have kind of the generically powerful ones towards the end that you know are going to be very strong, but otherwise they tend to alternate the levels so drastically. So a lot of the time, like I'm always just kind of figuring out, like, oh, okay, Titanisha. And this game, she's like mid range, and this and this one, she's more towards end game, uh, you know. So I'll adjust that way. So yeah, no, I've never really. That's kind of the the fun of it. Like mm-hmm. I never have even a set party that I use for end game. It's always different. Did you have a go to crew in this game? Uh, a go to crew. Yeah, like demons that you like found yourself gearing towards like did you do multiple playthroughs of this oh i see in terms of see i did but this is my problem (laughs) i i I tend to always go for neutral (laughs) neutral so i I don't know why i just i love neutral like i love the i love how difficult Mm -hmm. it is and i love the endings so every time i play that is probably the one consistent thing that i do tend to go for more neutral alignment demons since I know that's going to be my end game, so I'm like, okay, let me prepare for that in advance. You know, like, occasionally I'll have a couple, like, you know, backup, like, law or mm-hmm. uh, chaos, you know, just in case. But, yeah, for the most part, I tend to gear towards neutral. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I I usually go law. I'm 
I'm one of those boring people. <laughs> it's like, I have to do the nice responses. <laughs> oh, no. And then you get the end. Oh, man. The, I know. The it, endings. <laughs> it's burned me a couple times. And, like, even that's one of the really interesting things about SMT games and in specifically. It's like, even the law, like the quote-unquote good path, uh, it, it turns out pretty poorly usually. Uh, it's not pure white, yay, like, holy paladin. Every The game ends on sunshines and rainbows, you know? Yeah. Uh, which which is fun, but... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I like, too, about it, that, you know, um, Shin Megami Tensei always shows you kind of the... Uh, folly mm-hmm. of gearing towards one extreme or the other and it shows that hey you know the extremes are really bad at times like you know like you said the, the law tends to end poorly because you'll you'll kind of end up a lot of the time with either mass genocide to create this perfect world or you know a world of complete control no free will <laughs> um that sort of thing um, and then on chaos side, you'll get these worlds that are like horror worlds for anyone who isn't powerful. Like either they're just oppressed with no hope, they're slaughtered. It's just you know, it's just it's really interesting that they that they address both halves. You know, because like you said, a lot of I mean, you know, you imply like a lot of games tend to go for the whole like, oh well, light is good, dark is evil. Mm-hmm. It's like no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of the cool things also about this game and a lot of M- SMT games is that you have a lot of control not only over your party but of your main character. Uh, in this one, you can invest points into all sorts of stats. Do you have a particular build of character you like to go for? Like, are you magic heavy or do you prefer guns, like specializing in gun attacks or like piercing attacks or physical? Or do you just kind of a well-rounded character normally i tend to go for like magic builds um there's a couple exceptions like in nocturne i went more physical although i know magic build is viable too but i like physical and nocturne and um strange journey i discovered once i discovered how cheap gun skills are i went full on to that <laughs> <laughs> It was like, oh, wow, okay. So this is the uh, exploitable element in this game. <laughs> so There's always one. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I ended up going with uh, with that kind of build instead, which worked out really well for me. Yeah. I usually like to uh, go magic. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's really... These games are ones that... It's almost to your detriment if you try and do a rounded character. It is. Uh, like, you have to specialize. Like, put all your points, every level, into either physical, gun, or magic. And just keep that route because you're only going to be screwing yourself. Especially late game. Um, yeah. If you try and be the well-rounded goody goody kind of thing <laughs> it just doesn't work here it just it, this is not one of those kinds of games it, it's funny how a lot how this game kind of tears down a lot of those stereotypes and um you find other mm-hmm. rpgs like you know we talked about the whole alignment system um just the setting and in this case too 
it really does kick you in the butt if you try to, like you said, if you try to do the the the, the normal, well-rounded hero, which is kind of the generic route in like almost mm-hmm. any RPG. And this one's like, no, like pick a specialty, or you're gonna be really weak by end game. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I really love, I love that. I love that it forces you to actually think about what you want to make as a character, mm-hmm. and then you have to you have to pursue that. Yeah, these games are. I feel like it's really easy to see who has never played an SMT game before, just judging by it, like how they play their characters or how they build their characters or what skills they use. Because if I see someone playing one of these games or like strange journey and they don't use status effects. I oh. instantly know that they have like never played one of these games before. Cause normally kind of going off what you said, these games buck the trend of status effects being completely useless where in these games, they're a necessity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Debuffs, buffs and status effects are necessities in this game. <laughs> And that's what I, I I love that too. I like you said, you can tell someone immediately who's coming off other RPGs where the buffs, deep buffs, the statuses are worthless. You know because that's what happened to me when I first started. Yep, <laughs> we've all been there. Exactly, and this game quit. It, it'll always have that one boss that's there purposely just to make sure you're picking up. You know the battle system, like Nocturne's uh, infamous one is Matador. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh Matador! Oh, such a good design, but oh my god! Yeah, exactly, and that—that's why it's so infamous because it, you had it really not only because it just comes out of nowhere, but the fact that you know you had people probably coasting along, not learning press turn, not using buffs and debuffs, and then you have this boss where if you're not using any of this, you're just gonna die. And um, with Strange Journey, you know, pretty early on as well, it's like no, you have to maintain buffs and debuffs at at the very least, and then statuses, like you said are very much a part of the strategy as well and you have to incorporate those and you have to be aware of the effects that's going to have on you because it will affect you Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah now now with strange journey is are is there a particular moment that has really stood out to you or like when you think of strange journey what moment really jumps out at you what do you associate with strange journey um, for me, I I always think of like sort of the the opening of it in the sense where you know you're kind of going in, getting super hyped up. You know, it's very gung ho. You have all this great tech. No, you'll definitely win. And then just immediately things go wrong. And I I really love that. I love that they don't waste any time. It's just like no, this is a disaster from the start. Humanity was not prepared for this. And from the very beginning, when you enter the Swartzfell, it's just like this struggle. And I don't know, that that always kind of sticks out to me. Because you never have it so, like, uh, uh, bleak like that in the very beginning of a game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I really enjoyed that a lot. It really makes that aspect of you kind of, like, clawing your way up and slowly gaining power as the game goes along. Um, it makes it feel much more satisfying and much more visceral, visceral 
in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. because of the fact that you literally are doing that. Like, this world is just completely hostile to people. You know, it's destroyed most of your equipment. Uh, it separated you from your entire group, like, in terms of the, uh, the, the mm-hmm. different uh, ships. And it's just, and also, well, I guess, spoiler alert, you know, you also lose your uh, head honcho almost immediately. <laughs> so yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Um, for me, it kind of touching on uh, Commander Gore, the head of, um, what was it? Red Red Spear or Red Sprite, the yes. your ship and everything. Uh, the big assault directly on your base by the demons and stuff. Like a bunch of people die. So you have like your boss go one on one against uh, Arias. And it's like going back and forth fourth and Arias seems to retreat but then he surprises and then takes out gore but that's not the end of the story just to avoid some spoilers things happen later on in the game it's crazy um but yeah that initial big assault uh really it and like you said it is such a good indication and makes you feel like you are outnumbered like you are the bottom of the food chain where you are um which makes the whole rest of the game and how you get stronger and deal with everything that's happening to you and the crew of this expedition so much more uh, impactful and meaningful and just showing you how crazy things have gotten. Um, Exactly. um, But yeah, and Bugaboo. I like Bugaboo with Jimenez. uh, (laughs) This little demon that one of your... uh, partners be friends and more later um but yeah good old bugaboo yeah he's bugaboo's like it's weird because it should not be adorable and it is somehow like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very endearing as you get to know bugaboo more <laughs> mm-hmm. and i remember it, it was even kind of creepy when in the redux version it added some voice work so you get to you hear Bugaboo as well. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was slightly unnerving, but it's like, okay, yeah, that works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is... Uh, these are just such good games. And I'm glad, even though Persona is, at this point, a fairly different franchise or series than SMT, I'm, I'm hopeful with SMT5's release next year and Nocturne HD coming out, that more people will really dive into the mainline Mega Ten games uh, and experience them because even though they are difficult, they're a different take. Yeah, they're probably more niche than they're more niche than a lot of RPGs. They are they are worth the the time investment, and I think if people give them a chance, they will find something uh, magical. I, I love these games. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I, I'm i really hoping for that as well because, like you said, I want more people to get into this franchise and discover it and realize just what it has to offer. Like, it's it's really just so different from most RPGs that you'll ever play. And I, I really think that most people, once they actually give it a chance, they'll end up falling in love with it. You know, it's, it's a great, great franchise. Very well-rounded, you know? Mm-hmm. I I agree. We can only hope. 
Exactly that, and, and hope that if it's successful enough, they'll actually give us like ports or remakes of Mega Ten One and Two. <laughs> oh man, tell me about it. I think you know. what is it? The original SMT, the only version we've gotten officially localized, is on iOS or something. Yeah, but I don't think it was localized. I think it was a Japanese-only release of the first two, and only on iOS. And it's just, it's so weird, like, that the only other way to play these games now is is how I played it, is through emulator. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's such a shame. They're great games, like, especially two. Like, I was blown away with how good that one was. But, yeah, it's just like, come on, like, put these games out. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm... Hopefully, and like you said, with the success that Persona 4 Golden on Steam has had and just the crazy money that the Switch generates, hopefully we will see ports, especially of these older ones that has have never really seen a English official English localization. But luckily, fan communities, fan translations do exist, so you can, in yeah. an unofficial way, uh, experience these. I actually want to try... My my goal for the start of the new year is to try and play through all of, like the mainline SMT games leading up to Shin Megami Tensei Five. Um, oh, that's a good th- that's, idea. That's my that's my plan, and do like a little a diary as I go through the adventure. Because um, like I've I've tried the older ones, I've never beaten them, so I want to like okay, let's do this. Let's right now, let's do this, and I then it's. Do I consider like Strange Journey one of them because it's it's kind of like it's really close to mainline, but it's not like a numerical mainline. Like where do I split it? Um, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. But oh man, such a good game though. Like this is just this is a very for being a DS RPG originally. There is a lot of game here. Absolutely, it's so it's so jam-packed i love it mm-hmm. uh, so did you play and beat it both on the ds version and 3ds version yes i did and i did neutral on both so yeah. <laughs> i'm that person <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the new alex stuff in the redux version i know that was a little like um a little split personally i actually really loved her and i loved all the new content like first of all i love the the quality of life changes in redux like they they made sense and it makes sense because as you know the director he did take a lot of player feedback into consideration when he made a lot of these brand new apps and like features Mm -hmm. and whatnot to address real issues that people had when they were playing the original game and you know issues that i had playing this game especially he gets the later dungeons and so that alone is is phenomenal stuff and then i really really did like alex uh, i thought she was really interesting like i was kind of worried about how she fit in but i feel like they had a lot of fun with her which mm-hmm. i really enjoyed and i really did like womb of grief like the new dungeon i i really enjoyed that too like it was so weird and creepy and complete and played completely differently um, from the other dungeons, so it was this really nice, unique experience, even though sometimes it was frustrating, but it was mm-hmm. very, very fun. What did you think and, what did you think about her kind of whole storyline with going coming from the future and stuff? 
I'm I'm always a fan of that kind of future trunks sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> plot line, you know. Of course, it's like a inverted one because she's coming back to kill you. So <laughs> hate but when that I, happens. I know, right? So <laughs> so inconvenient, <sighs> but. But yeah, I actually I, I liked it a lot too. Honestly, her um her whole storyline and kind of gradually uh, discovering it, and then I liked how sort of gradually too, like as you complete more of Wuma Creep, you kind of start bonding with her a little bit, but like in interesting ways, where it's just like you see a little bit more of like her humanity too, and you kind of start to understand like where she's coming from and how desperate she is, mm-hmm. and you know just. And like just, and then you find out like how horrible like her future is, whichever one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, since I know it depends on it depends on your current alignment that you're locked into. So, and then that'll denote the future that she has. But I, yeah, like I really like how they kind of gradually uh, did the review. And I also thought too, like her entrance into the game was, I mean pretty pretty uh, impactful mm-hmm. the fact that she literally does like kill you <laughs> and you know you're only a lot and very grisly too yeah. like they they described it in a lot of details like oh my gosh <laughs> grizzly is a really good descriptor for this game in general <laughs> it is and uh, i really really and uh, i think one of my favorite parts was i think it was the um it was the sector in the um, supermarket. That was the third sector, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, and I love the set. I love when you just suddenly come across her again, and you know um, they warn you immediately that you are not going to win this encounter. You need to get away. And I know for me, I was the coward and I ran away immediately. <laughs> and then we had the whole thing of him trying to flee and managing to use the tech against her to get into like that alternate like part of the dungeon um which was really really nerve-wracking and then i know the worst one is that if you do try to fight her and she'll just take down your demons immediately and then right when she's about to take you down you flee and then now you're stuck in a completely unfamiliar uh place Mm -hmm. you have all your whole party's you know gone and you're just kind of alone in the darkness and that's just so creepy but like i really love that yeah it was very i love the design of her demonica um how kind of sleek it is and it's just i love the glowing red of uh, and black motif of it i thought it was really cool but in terms of that runaway fight i'm i'm that guy who's like you say it's unbeatable i don't believe you (laughs) i don't believe you game I think you're trying to pull a fast one on me. I think there's a super rare item behind this fight if I manage to win. <laughs> and 30 seconds later, the game slaps me and says, no, you can't win it. And it's like, okay, you've won this one game. Touche. Exactly. Touche. <laughs> we aren't the only ones that really love this game so we are going around the web we're starting with the user the water level from reddit they say the Ouroboros fight is probably my favorite one it was completely insane how i had to recreate my entire team for the boss and even and even then it was tough as hell the sector eridanus itself is hard to forget 
It's so hateable, but the feeling when you finally complete it is so cathartic. If the Redux version counts, I really like the extra dungeon as well, specifically the fifth floor. Yeah, oh, nice. nice. I don't specifically, uh, yeah, that Ouroboros fight was was pretty uh, was pretty rough. I do rec remember that. Yeah, it was. Oof. <laughs> and kind of playing off what we said earlier, this is one of those games where you might have to completely get rid of your team that you've been rocking the entire floor to specifically make demons that can handle just this boss. Just yeah. the boss you're on. <laughs> exactly. It really, you know, uh, drives home the fact that you can't get attached to your team. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, at any moment, you might have to just discard it, fuse it, completely make it anew because it's either just not like sturdy enough, it doesn't have the specialties, just, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. You need, oh, the demon bo or the boss is doing a lot of electric attacks and I don't have enough creatures that resist or repel electric so sorry everyone I like and have been using for the past 10 levels uh, you're gone let's bring in some new blood uh, that can resist electricity and then it's all over again you might have to completely rebuild out your team next level it's yeah don't fall in love you, this game teaches you don't fall in love <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. So the next user, um, Mo Shuvu, uh, states, "Yeah, I think it was the first or second sector where the demons are performing live experiments on humans. It's pretty brutal. That's one of the moments that stick out to me. The game really drives home the feeling of hope of helplessness. Yeah, I think we were talking about that a bit too, and it it does like." You know, just from the beginning, and then like they said, when you have that sector where they've been experimenting on the entire, like that other ship, and only Zelenin was left. Mm -hmm. um, and that was actually funny that that happened to be our opener, you know, because yeah. that that was when you were actually had to get her, because and yeah, and it was just it was it was like you really felt that hope that helplessness kind of staring at you between all of that, between Zeleni being helpless to help any of her crew, um, you being helpless like to even save one other person, you know, from mm -hmm. yeah, from from a horrible fate. It's just. This game really, like, loves driving that in. Yeah. You are helpless and bad things are going to happen to you. The video game. <laughs> exactly. That's that's it in a nutshell. Um, next, we have user Mechblade007 from Reddit. The Alex talk at the end of the law route really made made me feel better about what I was doing. And that, and that by choosing to listen to her that it made her future better instead of blindly following what Zelenin thought was right. It also made me feel like Zelenin, Zelenin, whatever, still had her humanity in her after being transformed. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, about the new endings, mm -hmm. I really loved them. I loved them so much. It was, it was really nice because we were talking earlier about how, you know, the folly of sort of blindly going into uh, one extreme or the other. And even neutral turned out to be kind of its own extreme in a way. Um, but in the, and with the new endings, it was like, hey, no, like, if you actually build on that, you think about what you're doing, you can make this work, 
but not the extreme version of it, the version that benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. And and I, I agree, like, you know, that, that kind of moment when you're talking down, well, Alex is helping to talk down to Lenin and you listen to her, or even if it's the same with Jimenez, you know, she's talking to him and you listen, and you really feel that, like, change in them. Like, like they said, they, they still have their humanity buried in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they just needed someone to kind of help bring that out again. And I really, really love that. Yeah, I agree. Good points. Good points to be yeah. sure. Definitely. So the next one is No Name 99. Whenever Jimenez and Bugaboo got to talking, loved those two. Yes, I do too. <laughs> yep. They're, some of their interactions were really good uh, in how they grew and... Yeah, they're, they're fun characters. They are fun characters. They are. Um, next up, we have user Chocobat from Reddit. Mm, excuse me. When you come back to the last floor of Eradinus, uh, 30 hours or so after you doing the Yggdrasil side quest, really makes you feel like you've come a long way. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is, that is kind of like that feeling you sort of have. I think just how far you go like starting in such a hopeless situation and going through everything and building up your team and seeing where you like thinking back where you started from and then looking at how far you've come everything you've gone through um, it is in overcoming that feeling of helplessness that uh, Mo Shuvu mentioned it is it is rewarding. It's kind of like the same feeling you get when you overcome challenges or difficulties in like a Dark Souls kind of thing. It's that cathartic sigh of relief that you get and looking back and even when you replay it, it's like, whoa, like things were really bad here in the beginning and look at look at what we've done. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you really feel that that sort of result of you sort of that clawing up from nothing and then like you said when you finally get to the point where you know you can feel how far you've come and how strong you've gotten and what the rest of the crew has had to experience it it is it's extremely cathartic and i feel like having to earn that so thoroughly is what makes it so rewarding Mm -hmm. in the uh the later game so yeah i totally agree so let's see so the uh, last one is let's see if I can <laughs> AK <laughs> is the user um, I'm still playing through the game having just reached uh, Delphinus however I have to say the first appearance of Mistema when he finally drops the act of being a crew member and then the angelic choir theme of law almost heralding his arrival that moment left a deep impression on me it was as as if though i had come face to face with the one who had judged my sins yeah that's true like mustaman i mean he has such a fantastic design already Mm -hmm. and and it is very true like he He's so impactful as a character, you know, like he when he comes in it You really feel it like you could feel like yeah, this guy is different like mm-hmm. he's an angel all right it's I and I really enjoyed that too that he has such a different feeling from a lot of the other characters in the game Oh very much so and I 
I remember when I first got to that point. I, I'm trying to remember. I think he like rescues you or something, correct? Yeah, yeah. He was the one who, and he helped out to Lenny yeah. and gave her angels, and that was kind of how she started her attachment to that. Right. It, um, I was, by that point, I was so like skeptical and like leery of everything going on. It's like, what do you want? I don't, I don't quite trust you. I'm just waiting to be backstabbed or killed or something horrible happening. Um, but touching a bit on what Hackam mentioned was, and we touched a little bit about how strong the soundtrack is, but it also is used really well to invoke these, to invoke certain emotions. Um, like in moments like this when he, when he appears and, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's really good. It's really good. Um, but thank you to everyone who shared your favorite moments and memories. I very much appreciate it. Be sure to check the show notes to get links to the subreddits where you can share your own favorite memories and moments from Shin Megami Tensei's Strange Journey or Strange Journey Redux. I'd love to check them out. Now let's say that listening to Alyssa and I talk about this game and the uh, memories the others shared has got you intrigued and you want to play it yourself. Well, we have you covered. Now, if you want to get a physical copy, it's not the uh, most expensive of the SMT games that are currently out there because with the announcement of SMT5, prices have kind of gone up with a number of these, but for the original DS version... You can expect to pay about $37 for a loose cart, um, about $54 roughly for a complete in box, and a brand new copy will run you about $78. Um, and if you want Strange Journey Redux on the Nintendo 3DS uh, in a physical form, you're looking at about $47 loose, about $53 as well complete, and only about $63 new in price. And all of these prices are pulled right this moment from PriceCharting.com, so you can check those out. But with Shin Megami Tensei Redux, this is also available digitally on the Nintendo eShop. As of right now, it is still on sale, and you can get it digitally for $39.99 US. So def- you are definitely getting a lot of game for those $40. Um, yeah, absolutely. Totally worth the price. Oh, yeah. With I with a bunch of different uh, endings you can go for and all the party combinations, this these games really reward and uh, you want to play through them multiple times. There's a lot of good stuff. Well, high replayability factor is what I was going to say. So yeah, yeah. So let's say you've snagged yourself a copy of Strange Journey and you want to and you are going to investigate the Schwartzweld yourself. Well, Alyssa and I are here to give you some tips for new adventurers and players. So Alyssa, what tips or advice would you give fresh-faced demon summoners? (laughs) Well, I'm kind of picking back on what we've discussed a lot earlier on. Number one tip is to fuse often. 
Um, you know, your demons do generally level up, um, but after a while, they learn all their skills, their stats fall behind, and they'll just start to, to fall, fail against uh, random encounters and boss battles. At that point, just fuse, you know, fuse a lot. Don't be afraid to experiment either, you know, like sometimes just save and then just go crazy. Decide like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I made this, you know, fuse this with this, and then if I fuse that result with the, just because you will discover some really great demons that way. If you just, you know, decide you want to mess around and play around with combinations and, um, you know, that that's kind of the key to it, you know, experimenting. So, um, jumping from that, I would also say try to recruit as many demons as you can. Um, not only because just doing the recruitment process itself is great practice, because the key to uh, demon recruitment is you have to learn their personality so you can answer their questions. And when you do, you know, the more you recruit, the more you, the better you understand how those personality types work, the kind of answers they want to hear, so it makes things easier. And then second, it's because you know you'll have way more material to fuse with if you're constantly recruiting more demons like when you come across a new sector you're in a new level try to get at least like a few of those demons if you can't get all of them and then just toy around with them and the last tip I would give is um, in terms of the follow-up attack system uh, I would say, you know, start taking advantage of that as early as you can. It's an absolute boon in terms of extra and essentially free damage that you're getting. Because how it works is when you have demons that match your character's alignment, if you get a critical or you attack an enemy's weakness, you'll get you'll do a special follow-up attack which causes extra damage. And it counts as almighty damage, so it can't be blocked. And um, you want to take advantage of it by making sure you have as many demons match your alignment, um, law, neutral, chaos as possible in your party, if not like all of them. And um, because each one of them increases that output. And what also increases it, funny enough, is that if the demons not only match your alignment, but in your morality. Because there's also another type where it's light, neutral, and dark demons. And if the demons match in their moralities, that also increases the damage output. So you can do some nice damage in this follow-up attack. So I would definitely say, you know, make sure you keep an eye out for that. Take advantage of it. Agreed. You will need every ounce of uh, every uh, boon you can get. From in some of these fights. For myself, some tips I would give are is to research the March of Death sub app as soon as possible in your Demonica. This app is available fairly early on and will make it so if your main character is killed, the game doesn't outright end. I believe this is a Redux exclusive. It was added specifically in Redux. Yes. Um, so, yes. Obviously you want to be able to keep fighting even if the main human character dies. So be sure to research that uh, as one of the first options. And we touched upon this earlier, but buff, debuff, and status spells are so incredibly powerful in this game and all the SMT games and matter a whole lot. I would recommend having some designated demons that specialize in doing these in these areas and you will find the tougher fights at least slightly less tough if you do so. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are great tips as well. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we are on to perhaps my favorite part of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Alyssa, what enemy uh, did you put up for today? Um, I actually picked Zeus from the Womb of Grief dungeon. Um, he's one of the bosses of uh, one of the levels of that dungeon, and he's his design, personality, and the boss battle itself. It just it has so much fun and and charm, and like he himself, he's so charismatic and just he's an absolute blast. Like I could not believe how much I enjoyed him as a character. And his boss fight, even though it was so punishing, it was so much fun. And it felt so satisfying when you finally beat him. Um, and honestly, he's such a joy that he's really one, now he's one of my favorite bosses in the whole franchise. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I fell in love with Zeus. Perfect. Well, when you encounter Zeus, his race is deity and his alignment is light neutral. You'll fight him at level 64, with, and he will have 7,000 health and unlimited MP. His strength stats at 51, with magic at 46, vitality 47, agility 43, and luck at 45. He's strong against stone and mute, so probably should avoid those as well. And he reflects, um, he resists the gun kind of attack type so try not to use that he reflects thunder he's weak to wind and he uh nulls out zeros out uh, light and uh dark spell types as well so and the list of skills he uses are karano soul canis mazeodyne adamant sickle madness crush dekaja divine lightning madness nails and dakuna be warned this is quite the foe to tackle Well, everybody, that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking some SMT with me. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute blast today. Well, I, I, we've been talking back and forth for a while. Sorry it took you, uh, took a while to to record this, but it's been such a pleasure. I love talking about this series and any any avenue where we can get this in front of more people is worth it. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. But just so people know, where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Feel free, plug away. <laughs> so uh, in general, you can find me. Uh, my Twitter handle is ajames347. So if you want to come on Twitter and chat with me about, you know, Strange Journey, any SMT game, or really any GRPG, I am totally open to that. You know, just come and chat away. Um, I'm also, as was mentioned at the beginning, I work at Dual Shockers. Um, you know, Lisa James. Uh, Dual Shockers is an online video game website where we have news, previews, reviews, interviews, all sorts of stuff. It's a great site. Um, and also my main podcast that I co-host is Mega Ten Marathon. Um, you know the the other host is Paul, 
and together, you know, we basically run through various uh, Shin Megami Tensei games in the series, and we play through them. We we discuss not only the actual game components, but the mythology. We go in depth about that, the characters, uh, the the demons, pretty much like you know any any sort of thing in terms of those games. So if you're a big fan of the franchise, definitely check that podcast out too. Great listen. Uh, highly recommend. Mega 10 Marathon as well. Give them a listen and a follow if you are interested. Uh, you won't regret it. But, thank you. Of course. But thank you to those that have listened to the very end. You've helped return light to the crystals and unlocked a new job class. Be sure to rate and review us as each one you leave will help cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom, helping to restore balance and save the world. Plus, I would just really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like to talk about or have us talk about here on RPG University, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with what game you'd like us to feature and if you would like to be a guest yourself. And until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.